are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. Everything runs through Lubbock. Great to have you along for the ride on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. With the only Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan. Thanks for making us your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. We have spent some time talking football this week uh, for good reason. There's been movement on the staff, as we talked about on yesterday's show. Tech wide receiver coach Emmett Jones, now former tech wide receiver coach Emmett Jones, current Oklahoma wide receivers coach Emmett Jones. So we want to get to some ramifications there. We'll get to both uh, player personnel and also what else is happening behind the scenes with Joey McGuire's staff. We have time left this week as well uh, to get you set for Texas Tech hoops coming up this weekend, but we'll get to it tomorrow. We are on the gridiron squarely today, Chris. And I know that, as you mentioned on the last episode, and obviously fans, I'm sure, understand uh, wheels turning kind of like the ducks, uh, feet pedaling furiously under the water while things maybe look a little calm or, or slow on the surface after a season, like what you had in year one for Joey McGuire, you know, there's going to be some attention as far as the staff, uh, from outsiders. When you have success, that's going to come with that territory. And you also know that you want to keep these guys assembled because of that success that they had. So trying to balance those things out. Uh, is a big challenge this time of year. But it does really sound like, whether it starts with the coordinators and then extends on or whoever might be the priority, uh, that Texas Tech leadership has really been working and efforting uh, to take care of guys and and keep guys happy uh, on the staff with Joey McGuire here in Lubbock. Yeah, I think think the administration is – you know, really, really tried to do, you know, cause I mean, I, I think they brought a contract to Joey, uh, you know, obviously the day of the bowl game and there was kind of some whispers about that, the, the days leading up to the bowl game, but he wasn't necessarily expecting it. it. It makes sense at the time. This is kind of good business. Uh, you know, there's, there's always criticism if, you know, when, when, you know, contract extensions are given too early, uh, you know, at times, but there's also criticism if you don't do, if you sit on your hands and don't do anything and then it kind of gets away from you. So it's a, it's a touchy spot in the college athletic space when you're talking about football or basketball coaches, uh, because you, you know, p- people act quickly and people's star rises and falls quickly. Uh, but I think, yeah, the Red Raiders were trying to, you know, they, they felt pretty good about the way that the, the administration did. And I think donors and everybody felt pretty good about the way that the season ended. And so you try to reward Joey. And I think Joey's first concern whenever he, he's like, man, I really appreciate it. But, OK, we you know, we need we need our people, uh, you know, to, to be with me. And because that's the way that I mean, typically. Uh, TCU is, uh, you know, an exception to that rule, but typically stability and continuity is what wins in college football, you know, and culture and all, all the things about keeping it together and then, and then, and then growing together and all those things. And and with that, it's like, you try to keep your coordinators, you know, and all that. And I think Texas tech is, is going to, uh, if they haven't already, they're going to announce new three-year contracts for Tim DeRuiter and Zach Kitley 
with some raises. And see, there was a time when Texas Tech didn't operate in the multi-year contracts for assistant coaches. Uh, and I think even when they started doing that, it was okay, two-year deals. But these are three-year deals. There's some buyouts attached. Uh, but I think Tim DeRuiter is getting close to the million-dollar range. And I think uh, Zach Kitley, uh, who I, I, I believe was, was you know, I think courted by an SEC team and offered mid-seven figures uh, you know, for, uh, to be the OC, I think, uh, you know, I've heard in, in industries, people that, that work for rivals and play people that I know, North Carolina talked to him. I think A&M kind of flirted around. I think Mississippi state went heavy in after him, maybe even offered, uh, a contract there that was around a million and a half. Are you talking uh, after the season? I'm talking like I'm talking like a couple of weeks ago. Right yes, now. After, yeah. After the bowl game, yes. <laughs> okay. And he he's turned it down. And I think I don't know if if anybody flirted with Tim. I have not heard that, but I just think Texas Tech was already in the process of 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 like you know trying to take care of those guys. Um, and and I th- I think that that's that's all pretty much done. If not if not pen to paper and all that stuff. And then and then J- Joey's biggest you know his biggest deal is he's very um, I mean he holds like strength staff and support staff in extremely high regard. Because, Smart man. Yeah, because the if if you remember after the regular season, the first contract extension that was announced it was something that you and I talked about. It, it was James Blanchard. You know, that was that was the guy that got a contract extension before anybody else, including Joey. You know, so uh, I don't however they got that done. That was a monster deal uh, for, you know. And so anyway, I I just think that the and and I know we talked about this yesterday, but I think Emmett Jones was one of those that was in line to kind of to get uh, to get uh, an extension and a raise and all those kinds of things. But, uh, you know, and I and I. I don't mind telling you. I don't know if he was if if uh, I think there was, you know, I don't know, some misleading going on in the last couple of weeks about uh, any interest in Oklahoma or whatever. Because I think Texas Tech had had asked him repeatedly about uh, his situation and and in Lubbock, and I think he had said, "No, man, I'm ready to go, ready to work. Can't wait to be back uh, and grinding in Lubbock." But that's that's an, another subject because uh, that's obviously not what happened, but. I think you'll see some other guys taken care of as well as as your two coordinators. So long, long answer for to to basically say Texas Tech is stepping up, trying to you know keep keep some continuity and stability with their staff and trying to pay them well to do so. Head coaches are great. Assistant staff makes the college sports world go round, particularly in football. We're talking relationships either before they get to campus or then on campus. The, those assistants are uh, integral to, to any success or lack thereof um, that a program may have. And I think it's fascinating, Chris, to consider the different circumstances for your two coordinators because you couldn't have guys that are much more on opposite ends of their career trajectories. They're both, I think, earning credibility, particularly Zach Kelly being so young. I mean, Tim DeRuiter's an established dude. I don't know if he can go and improve it or not. He may just be what he is. And he's a highly sought after defensive mind uh, in the college football world. But I think it's so interesting to consider the differences in those guys because of their age and the periods they're at in their careers, because you probably view them differently, uh, differently. If you are 
you know, coming after him or considering coming after him? Because obviously you look at Zach Kitley and you're like, yeah, why would this dude not be, you know, listening to any and all offers, continuing to be on the move if he needs us, if he sees a better opportunity or something like that. Whereas you see Tim DeRiver a little bit older and, and maybe you feel like, I don't know, what's he looking for in his stops now at this point in his career? Is it more so, I, I don't even know, but it's not necessarily just all out career advancement every time, I guess. And it doesn't sound like it's exactly that all out for Zach Kitley, but um, it's almost, <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but I'm just thinking about when your two inside receivers were Jason Morrow and Jakeem Grant, quite a disparity there on both sides. And I kind of feel the same way about Tim DeRuiter and Zach Kitley, both very impactful, but totally different kind of perspectives you'd have to imagine on what they're looking for uh, kind of in, in employment right now. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and, and again, you, you're you talking about Tim and Zach. Yeah. Yeah, because, see, Tim is – and that's why, to me, I think you touched on it. You uh, made a great point because this is why, to me, there's such good chemistry with the staff because because Tim is an older, more established guy and Zach is kind of this younger up-and-coming. That's why this is working so well, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, because – and again – there's exceptions to it and all that, but I'm, I'm just pointing out about your situation sure. now because Tim is not trying to, he's not worried about some statistic. He's not worried about, uh, man, I don't like the way we practice this because of our offense, or I don't mind that we go for it on fourth down a lot. He, he's, he's comfortable in his own skin. He's done it before he's coached at power five levels in the state of Texas and other power five leagues. He's seen it and he knows what it's supposed to look like. And he's not, he, he, there's no ego there, I guess is my point. And, and, and Zach is this young, respectful, I say young. I mean, he's, he's 31, 32, so he's not young, but I mean, you know, compared to Tim, he is, uh, and, and he, he's still on the way up. And I think at some point there's a possibility he could be a head coach and all those things, but he also, uh, learn from Cliff, you know, like that it doesn't matter how you try to, to win games, just try to win them, you know, whether, you know, and, and I think that's what that's what he learned that, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to do this or that. I'm just we're, we're going to try to play offense to try to suit ourselves the best this particular day. And if it means running it 60 times or throwing it 60 times and all that. But anyway, they, they meshed well, I guess, is my point. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how many people are after, you know, because Tim's been a head coach. He's kind of on that career arc, and I think he's he's found a spot and uh, very comfortable here, and he's obviously got it rolling. We'll talk about that later in the show, but they've added more to that side of the ball, and I mean the guys are, the guys are really good coach, and uh, and I think I think Zach's a really good coach, and so it's just kind of fun to see them kind of uh, you know grow this thing together, and I hope that we get a couple of three four years with them together because I think if you do. You you could win a win or at least play for a Big Twelve championship sooner than later. Yeah, you're really talking about as you were describing earlier all those things that come with continuity. You're really talking about having an identity as a program, and it's difficult to envision any athlete or their family or whoever it might be uh, to want to invest their time and energy into a program that doesn't have that identity. At least it's a heck of a lot more appealing. Uh, whenever it does and, and you have some idea of what you're getting into. And, of course, you have that proof of performance with some success now on the field uh, with Joey McGuire's year one in the rear view. 
whoever you can keep together following a year like that will be a great thing for Texas Tech, uh, starting with those two coordinators and Tim DeRuiter and Zach Kitley. One that already we know uh, is not keeping the band together is Emmett Jones, new Oklahoma wide receivers coach. He's leaving Lubbock. Is that where it ends? Maybe you hope so, but maybe that's not the reality whenever it comes to this new era we are in and player ease of movement. We'll get to a couple of thoughts on potential roster impact as a result of the departure of Coach Jones. Coming up next on Locked on Texas Tech. But first, today's episode brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. All the action, all the angles, all the angles on the action. It's your live betting HQ now with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Always the fastest and easiest way to keep up with your favorite events and your favorite teams on game day. And if you love sports podcasts, you're going to find sports podcasts at Bet Online as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more with Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for joining us again on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. You got it on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. Always appreciate being your first listen. And for your second listen, we hope you'll check out Locked On College Basketball, brand new podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Everything you need to know about college hoops in one stop. Big name experts, insiders, coaches, players, and more. You'll find it there on Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Unfortunately, yesterday we had to discuss the departure of Texas Tech wide receivers coach Emmett Jones is going to assume that position of sorts at Oklahoma now. And Chris, in this era that includes uh, such ease whenever it comes to player movement in conference, out of conference, doesn't matter anymore. You got to begin to wonder what potential impact there could be there uh, roster wise. And I don't know if it's just limited to the positional group necessarily, but I guess that's where we should focus that group of wide receivers and man, how coincidental I'm sure. And if you could see my eyes, you'd see me wink, winking furiously. How coincidental that not too long ago, there was smoke surrounding Oklahoma showing Jaron Bradley some attention I'm trying to put all the pieces together. I hadn't quite figured it out yet, but it seems like they fit together somehow, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, you're yeah. So here, here's all the here's all the things that kind of come with all this is that, um, you, you know, like we we were trying to figure out, okay, is there real is there real interest in Oklahoma and Emmett Jones and vice versa? You know, then you. You kind of you kind of hear uh, through the grapevine, you know, Coach Jones has said, hey, man, I'm not that's rumors. I'm not doing that or there's no interest there. And then you kind of pay attention to what's going on with some of the recruiting stuff. And as it goes along, it's like, well, there, there's more of this stuff out there. And then he's still kind of saying, no, man, I'm ready to work and get back to to Lubbock and all those things. But here, here are some tells here, and and then Jerron Bradley, you know, piece fits fits into this component. I do, I do think uh, I do think Jerron Bradley is going to have a decision to make, and I don't know uh, how soon that, that. I mean, because the, 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 it's imminent right now, like on the transfer portal, you know, like window ending here pretty quick uh, for this 
this this first window because you can't do anything about it until May. Uh, you know, I guess once this window ends. And so, because the semesters are about to start, I mean, the Red Raiders have already had a team meeting uh, for the spring semester, and you're kind of, you know, away you go here. But uh, I, I think it's very, it's very uh, fair to question about uh, whether Jerron Bradley is going to still be here or not. I think that, you know, does the Matador Club get involved? Does NIL at Oklahoma get involved how how involved uh, is is Emmett in into what was going on before he even took the job with Jerron Bradley these are all fair questions to ask because as you pointed out uh, Casey there was the and I think Joey McGuire went on a radio station in the Metroplex and he called out Oklahoma specifically because their receivers coach had reached out to Jerron Bradley uh, you know, and and was already kind of making inquiries and and all those things, uh, you know, and so it, it, the whole weird the whole deal is weird. Uh, but I also I want to I want to I want to point this out too, just so people can can kind of grasp what like it, it, Emmett Jones was still the head coach at Texas Tech, and this past weekend you had portal visitors. I'm just trying to explain to people so so they understand how it works, and you got to keep your head on the swivel. You don't assume uh, too much, or or you get burned, uh, or 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 you, you you know you look bad if you, if you don't if you don't you get caught with your pants down. Whatever analogy we want to use here, <laughs> um, because there were portal visitors that were visiting Norman, Oklahoma this weekend, this past weekend. Well, Emmett Jones was still the head coach at, at Texas. I mean, the head coach, the receivers coach at Texas Tech, the passing game coordinator, all that stuff. Well. If you knew where to look, it, it sure was ironic that a lot of those people visiting Oklahoma this past weekend started following Emmett Jones on Twitter. Okay, and and there's some you know so that's why it's just it's it's uh, I mean Emmett Jones may have accepted the job two to three weeks ago for Oklahoma and they just had to work through the timing of it and that's what. That, that's why you feel that's the dirty part of this business is that, you know, how, how much was he actually getting paid by you and working for somebody else? It's similar to when Tuberville's staff, they coached that uh, they coached that when he left to go to Cincinnati and he was, you know, and, and a lot of those guys were coaching that bowl game. You know, they, they're out on Texas Tech's dime and they're recruiting with a double T on their shirt. But they're like, hey, man, come to Cincinnati, you know, right. and, and, and that's that's the dirty part about this this business. Um, I don't know how you fix a lot of that other than you try to hire loyal, trustworthy people, which is difficult to do. And that's why somebody like, you know, like, you know, we'll just use Zach as an example that went to school here is basically taking less money, a lot less money on the open market because he's worth a lot more on the open market. That tells you a lot about a person and what their, their interest level is and what they want for, or what makes them happy and all that. And it's very clear that for whatever reason, you know, coach Jones is, is motivated by money or logo or I don't know. And again, it's the business. Like you don't get, don't sure. hate the player, don't hate the player, hate the game kind of deal. I get that. <laughs> um, you know, but so th- these are all the things that are going on, but it could cost you Jerron Bradley. And, and so I, I say all that to say to you, there could have been things in the works, you know, way earlier than, when, when you ultimately hear about it, as far as Bradley goes and, and, and him, 
you know, potentially being courted by Oklahoma and all that stuff. So we'll just kind of have to see what it looks like, um, you know. And, and I'll once once Jerron Bradley makes a decision, I'll give you my opinion on on all of that. But you know, right now we're just kind of in flux right now. And and again, Texas Tech is well aware of 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 Bradley and the Oklahoma connection with Emmett and all that. I mean, that yeah, they're they're not. Yeah, you know, this is something they're all extremely aware of, and and you know, I think at some level, either halfway expecting it or halfway, you know, trying to to get out in front of it. You know, however you want to frame that, they're well aware of it. Uh, so we'll we'll kind of see how it plays out. Okay, and we'll stick with football. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a roster addition, as you've got a Syracuse transfer now to discuss on the defensive side of the football. We'll get to Steve Linton coming up ahead on Locked On Texas Tech. But first, today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? <laughs> by God, you got to try Built Bar. Just getting through the holidays, maybe you got a goal to eat a little healthier this year. And if that's the case, I got just a thing for you. Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty like for real. So delicious you won't think they're good for you, which is the perfect illusion. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? For starters, it's all 100% real chocolate. Real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro. Shout out to Steve Green, Texan Dome, longtime Texan Dome resident, where I've had some of the best churros in my life in Leatherland, Texas, America. I'm not sure how Built Bar does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing out-of-this-world macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Move over, honey. 17 grams of protein is sitting down on the couch. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box either. For years, you've had to go to built.com, and you certainly still can, but now you can get them locally at Walmart or Sam's Club. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk over to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars like the four bar box of cookies and cream or double chocolate or coconut puffs. The list goes on. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13 bar box with hit flavors, brownie batter, and back to it, churro. You can thank me later after you've enjoyed a built bar. It's Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network, where you're finding your team every day on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. With Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan. And before we are out of here today, we've been talking departures, coaching change, etc. Let's talk addition, as Joey McGuire and the Red Raiders have landed a transfer defender in Steve Linton, who is an outside linebacker. For Syracuse is a Georgia native, and uh, Chris, if Tim DeRuiter likes him, if Joey McGuire likes him, I'm going to like him because uh, so far they've been, uh, well, hitting the right buttons and pulling the right levers to come up with uh, some really nice things on the defensive side. And uh, I'm curious how you see Linton fitting in and maybe even more so when you're talking transfers, timeline for fitting in. Is he a quick impact guy? Is it going to be more of a work in progress? How do you see it? 
Oh, I, I think uh, I think this is a, a possible uh, starter from from the jump. I think mm. uh, this is something that um, he 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 is going to be, in my opinion, somebody that is opposite of uh, Josiah Pierre on on either edge. I think this is a defensive end kind of hybrid hybrid type player. I think they were really this was like one of those sneaky visitors that came in here. Uh, back in, I guess it was before the bowl game, and it wasn't widely publicized on on him visiting and everything. And and the kid, like athletically, he's a bit of a freak when 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 used uh, the the way that the, you know they they wanted to use him. He played uh, most of this season uh, in in a different kind of role than I think Texas Tech will use him. Uh, but he is he is somebody that uh, I think they were concerned about if he was going to be if, – if there was going to be enough transfer the, – the, the transferable credits and, like, the academic component was a bit tricky here in trying to make sure that he had what he needed to transfer here and that you could get him eligible and all those things. Not because his grades were bad. It's just because of, of um, you know, just, just, like, trying to make it work at different schools. And sometimes there, there's those are, you know, a variety of, of moving – parts that you have to kind of mesh together and sometimes it's tricky depending on what your major is and all that kind of stuff and so uh, I think that's honestly why there wasn't a lot more focus on on him in the portal uh, and I think Texas Tech figured out a way to uh, to get to get through that piece but no this this kid is he's got two years to play he's a pressure player uh, I think he's an edge guy. I think that, uh, yeah, I see him playing a vital role uh, like an, uh, right away. Um, and I think that I don't want to call him a Tyree Wilson replacement because you're not, and the measurables are a bit different. But I think that's kind of the thought is that they want somebody that can get after the quarterback, that can, that's good against the run, I mean, all those kinds of things. And I think this is what you, this is what you, you land on and, and Steve Linton. About 6'5", 220, what he's listed as uh, there in the Syracuse media guide. Man, any immediate impact guy, if it comes to fruition that way, it just always seems like a bonus, Chris, because I know it's not the same as talking about newcomers from the prep level or JUCO or something like that. I mean, these guys have seen Power 5 uh, time in a lot of cases when they show up, or at least yeah. you know, college football level snaps um, when they show up. But I just still am always very slow to – uh, anticipate somebody making an immediate impact. And, and we don't know if he will make that impact, but it sounds like he could get that kind of opportunity uh, immediately. So that'd be really nice to see that type of help arrive and, there along and, that defensive front. Well, in Casey, the six, five part is that that's the, that's the part that when you see that you, you okay, you go, okay, this is, you could just tell, this is what they're looking for. You know, and Joey talks about it all the time. They, they want big and long and, uh, you know, like the, 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 that's why I even use the Tyree Wilson component or the, the, the comparison there, just because that granted Tyree Wilson was six, six, you know, two seventy five, but you, <laughs> right. you, 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 you want, you want like wingspan, you want some of these measurables, yeah. Because this is one of these players that you can kind of move around a bit. You know, is he is he a defensive end? Can you can you let him you know drop back in coverage a bit at two hundred and fifteen pounds, or do you, or do you say, hey man, 
you know, Steve, let, let's let's put about 15, 20 pounds on you between now and when the season starts and try to bulk you up a bit. I mean, they're, you know, so I don't know. But, I mean, I, I think they like the quick twitch. They like the the wingspan. And they like his ability to rush the passer because he's accumulated some sacks and tackles for a loss that uh, that are pretty impressive. And he's a, he's a Southern boy. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think that they were really excited about uh, this addition. And they weren't certain that they could get it done, but they, they, they certainly have. Yeah, you think about wingspan like that and, and just being in general uh, disruptive up there for a quarterback or, or whatever it might be. I, I'm curious, uh, before we wrap it up, Chris, was this – is this a long time coming? When, when do you feel like uh, they identified this guy? And I know you're talking about some extra effort that was required um, in this process, but has he been on their list or on their radar for a while or did it develop recently? How did that come to be? Well, you, you know, and, and, and people don't really grasp that. They have, they have basically three or four, you know, guys on staff, man, and that's all they do. That is their job is they work they work with and under James Blanchard and they just monitor the portal 24/7 basically. Yeah. And then it, and then it's it's once you you're monitoring and then it's okay, let's go take a look at this kid. Let's start doing background. Let's let's watch film, but then let's talk to people that may know him. I don't pretend to know the connection here. Uh, I just know from talking to to people uh, up at, at Syracuse that cover the Orangemen or the Orange, whatever they're called these days, they were like, "Yeah, you know, the, the Syracuse isn't sure that he can he can even leave because of some you know transferable stuff and this and that." And I'm like, "Okay, well that makes sense because it was I think it was thought to, that you know you just weren't sure if he was going to be able to, but he clearly had an interest here, and I don't I don't know what the connection was with Tech, but it, it's just." My, my point is, is that you're not real sure when they I, I ultimately identified him. Yeah. But it does check the box on what they are looking for. And that is just just tall, rangy, quick guys that on, on defense, uh, certainly. And and you're looking for speed on on offense. So I think he obviously checks that box. But you look at what they brought in in that one visit weekend. Uh, back in, uh, you know, I guess it was around December the 20th or whatever. It's like C.J. Baskerville from San Diego State. You got him. Rusty Stotts, you know, uh, you, you got him. Um, you know, the Dre McCray, you got him. And now Steve Linton. Uh, and, and then uh, Justin Horn, who was a freshman linebacker, who's setting, you know, state record track times in the state of Louisiana. And he's a, he's going to be a freshman, but they got all those guys. So you love the hit rate there on bringing guys in from the portal and going, okay, you know, and then and they're getting it done. They're not having to sweat it out or trying to re-recruit them and things like that. Yeah. So it's hard to know exactly when I guess the name like bubbles to the surface and really gets their attention. Right. But it sounds like there is just a running list of, Hey, these guys uh, could be targets if, if we find the need or, or find the opportunity, which is just wild to think about a, I guess, a totally new position or department being created in this area to keep up with it. But if you ain't keeping up with it, you're falling behind because somebody else is. There's no doubt about it. We all know how many players are in the portal. And just because they don't all find homes doesn't mean that they weren't worthy of it. I'm sure some just simply don't get identified or get lost in the wash, whatever it might be. But uh, you want to stay ahead of that curve, obviously. Uh, as a program to hopefully have that running list always uh, featuring some prospects that could make an impact for you because you never know which way the worm will turn as far as uh, guys looking for homes or, or finding one or otherwise. 
Uh, Chris, man, great insights as always, and uh, appreciate the time once again as we got to spend some time on the gridiron. We're going to get back to hoops before the weekend as we get set for Tech and UT from Austin. Red Raiders need a bounce back in a big, big way. What a fun place it would be to do it, but you're taking on another top 15 team in the Texas Longhorns. So we'll get the table set for that one coming up on the other side. But for now, thanks for the time as always, man. Appreciate the uh, perspectives. Hope it is alive. Uh, I like where you're going with this football stuff, man. I, I think we're, we're, we're starting to – this is going to be a fun offseason. Uh, we need to hire a good receivers coach, and uh, away we go, man. Keep adding to this roster, man. Sounds like fun to me, man. Hope it is alive, Cowan. It is alive. And I don't have to go to Ames anymore. I know we talked about that yesterday. But I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just thrilled. I, I, I want to keep enjoying that part. I don't no, no more. No more Iowa for me. I'm hearing a little pep in your step with that realization, <laughs> it seems like. That's right. And uh, I can confirm that uh, Idaloo football assistant, uh, head basketball coach, sub-varsity level, uh, Jaron Ship has removed his name from the Texas Tech wide receivers coach <laughs> uh, coaching search. So I just want to be the first to report that. All right. He's the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. And even if you're in Ames, we're still wishing you a good rest of your day. Thanks for joining us, and we're back at it again coming up tomorrow on Locked on Texas Tech.